You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hi, everyone. It's Paul Lang back at you again with the odds we have as traders. This is episode number 20 in the ongoing series, What Matters in Trading and Investing from Disciplined Trading Strategies. I'm always psyched up for any talk I'm going to do. I generally don't even need any notes. I make a couple bullet points. But I was kind of extra psyched up for this one, maybe because it's been a topic on my mind lately and because it has some great points that a lot of traders don't really see or understand when they come to trading. I'd like to add also here at episode number 20, forgive me if I repeat any stories or analogies. There's a lot of overlap in trading, a lot of overlap in trading concepts. And I put out a lot of educational material. So I may say something that you've heard in a prior podcast. If you are listening so well that you recognize that, congratulations to you. But let me start off with a little background why I have found this is such an important story. One of the odds you have in listening to me is that I have been teaching people for a long time. I also am somebody that's not from Wall Street, so I have the same mindset a lot of you do. And after working with people for years and years and years, and understanding how I first thought mentally when I came to trading, it gives me the ability to kind of almost predict what people think all the time. So many times people say to me, man, how did you know what I was thinking? That's exactly what I was thinking. Well, it's not any great feat. It's almost common sense for me at this point. But the background I want to give you is the other side of what traders should be thinking in terms of odds. I haven't been to like a money show in years and years, but when I used to go to money shows sometimes, It always amazed me that if there were two people going to do little breakout sessions, little talks in rooms at a scheduled time, you'd have one person who was showing off some hot new trading software guaranteed to make you money, X dollars per month, very affordable type of thing. Everybody flocks to that room. It's packed, standing room only. In the room next to him is somebody talking about how to overcome psychological issues and why psychology creeps into trading so much. And you could shoot a gun off in the room and not hit anybody because it's dead empty. This is indicative of how traders start off so often and start off on the wrong foot, thinking there's some miracle way to trade the market. I always like to go back to the school of common sense. The stock market is the biggest financial thing out there. Look at all the players. Look at all the big companies. It dominates everything. And you think you're going to go conquer trading by installing a piece of software on your computer for $149 a month. Obviously, there's something wrong with that. I would have nothing against that. I always say, hey, If there's something that works out there, I want to use it. My only job is to make money every day and then also to help show other people how to do it. If there was something that aided my trading, I wouldn't boohoo it. I'd be like, hey, this is great. Let's go check this out. But there is no such thing. Common sense should tell you that. There's really only two things that make sense to me or work. And one is if you have millions and millions of dollars at your disposal and a staff of people to do your own type of research that goes way beyond anything you would read on the internet, You can do that. You won't be listening to me if that's you. The other way, which is what I say works for 99.999% of us, is to follow the people who do that or to follow the big money in general. It doesn't matter even if the big money is right in the big picture. What matters is, is that we follow them for as long as they're correct. And then we recognize when they get out. It's really that simple, and that's what reading a chart is all about. So let's get into the topic here about odds. Let me start off with one of the big fallacies or the big things that stick out of my mind as being a problem for people. I run a trading room where we pretty much focus on the first couple hours of the day, day trading. And sometimes I get somebody asking about the room by email or maybe if they're in the room the first day. A typical question is, what's your batting average in the room? Well, when I hear that, I know this is a novice trader. The question you should be asking is, do you make money? 
doesn't matter what your batting average is because there's two components that go into making money. One is your batting average, what percentage of the trades you get right. But the other one is how much money do you make on a retrade you're right compared to how much money you make on a retrade that you're not right. That number is what we refer to in trading as a, we just call it a sharp ratio. It's actually a simplified sharp ratio because it comes from a formula used in other aspects of business. But we just call it the sharp ratio. And if you're right, by the way, it's a capital S and an E at the end because it's somebody's name, I believe. But we call that sharp ratio just your average winner divided by your average loser. So it is very possible to have a great batting average, whatever you want to consider that, 70% or whatever you might think is good. And you lose money because if you have all your winning trades are small winners and then your losing trades are big losers, you end up losing money. And this, by the way, is the formula that most new people gravitate to. Why? Because when you have a winning trade, you're a winner. To people, when they start off, it's that fear of being a loser. So if you're 70% right, they feel good. They're not a loser. They're winning more than half, but they're losing money. To them, they just keep saying, hey, well, I'll fix that. I'll hang on longer to the winning trades or I'll dump the losing trades quicker. But they have no plan or knowledge to do that. So they continue on forever losing slowly because they want to maintain that high batting average. But yet the only way they maintain that is by getting out quick with small winners and then being stubborn about the losers. So you have people all the time with this formula and they brag, hey, I'm 60% I'm winners, 70% winners, but I can't make money. What's the problem? Well, look at what you're doing when you're managing your trades. By the way, the other way is also something that could work. In other words, if you have a very low batting average, you could be making money hand over fist because you have big winners. In my long-term trader that I put out for the prior three years, my sharp ratio has been four, meaning the average winner is four times the average loser. I do that with long term. I don't do that as much with shorter term with day trading, but you can make money having a 30% batting average doing that. So it's not a matter of what's your batting average. It's a matter of what's your batting average combined with your sharp ratio. Now that we all know what that is. And the loose term for that is expectancy. It's not really the full definition of expectancy, but basically speaking, it's that combination. Remember, I can always trade off that combination one for the other. In other words, I can always improve my batting average at the expense of my sharp. For example, I'll joke around with people sometimes in a free event and say, hey, would anybody take the other side of this bet? I bet you that next week in the trading room, I will have a 95% batting average, which I don't. And some people will say, oh, yeah, I take the other side of that. Nobody can do that. Well, I could easily win that bet. I may not make money for the week, but all I would have to do what every trade I take is have a two cent target and have a $2 stop. Every time it rallies two cents, I got a winner, I got a winner, I got a winner. Easily do that 19 out of 20 times. Of course, the one loser I get may wipe out everything I made times 10, but it doesn't matter. I have a 95% batting average. Naturally, you could do the reverse. I could brag about getting a six sharp ratio or a seven sharp ratio, a seven reward to risk final product. And you may say it's impossible, but all I'd have to do is just Every trade I take, put a $1 target and put a 10 cent stop. And I may stop out 33 trades in a row, but the one that is a winner, I would then have an average winner of a dollar, average loser of 10 cents. That's a 10 to one sharp ratio. Sharp ratio in essence is just your after the fact reward to risk. In other words, if I take a trade that I feel is going to be a three to one reward to risk if I get to my target, well, your sharp ratio just says, well, if you got to your target, your sharp ratio is three. If you didn't get there, it's whatever you actually took. If you got halfway there, your sharp ratio is 1.5 to one. Now, this sounds like a lot of math, but it's critical because it is an underlying view into what your trading is doing. It's very difficult to just say at the end of the week, 
oh, I made money this week, I did good, or oh, I lost money, I did bad. We have to look internally into our numbers. And this is the single most important thing you can do as a trader is to kind of examine these numbers, find out where your strengths and weaknesses are. There are different combinations that work. There are traders that can have a low sharp ratio, maybe even less than one. In other words, they're average losers more than an average winner, but they're very good at being successful and they maybe have a 70, 80% batting average. That makes money, that's fantastic. You could also be going for the home run all the time. And if you're good enough to get it, you could have a very low batting average and yet make money hand over fist, as I explained. If you always went for a three to one reward to risk or a three to one sharp, you only have to get one in four trades right to break even. If you get two and four trades right, you're making tons of money. So all these numbers come into play and they're very critical to understanding how you are trading. Remember, as a new person, I almost guarantee you that your sharp ratio, your average winner is probably kind of pathetic compared to your average loser. That's what most traders do. When traders first start off, they do have somewhat of a terrible habit of letting losers run. And their sharp ratio early on is bad because maybe they got some good trades and they got some good targets, but then they have a trade that doesn't work and they let it go forever. And they have this huge loser, which drags down your sharp ratio because you're dragging down the ratio because your average loser now is so big. As traders get better, they realize you can't do that and they stop taking those big losses, but they do it at the expense of always getting out with the small winner. So the funny thing is their sharp ratio never gets better. It's just that now, instead of having that big loser dragging it down, they have no big losers, but now they don't have any good size winners. So you end up with the same sharp ratio through a very different set of numbers. What a lot of traders eventually evolve to is what I call the break-even blues, where you just can't get past break-even because you refuse to sacrifice that batting average. And the only way you can keep the batting average up is to always be taking quick targets and it never generates profit for you. Something that adds to this a lot is if you just go out and get educated on the internet, you'll read a bunch of comments from people that I can't even say are novice traders, they're probably non-traders. And they put comments out that I can tell are indicative of somebody that's not really trading because they'll say things like always minimize your losses. Well, that's not a thing. It's, your goal is not to minimize losses and people who focus on minimizing losses, you know what they end up with? A whole string of minimized losses. Yes, there's nothing wrong with minimizing a loss when that is the appropriate thing to do based on the chart. But if that's your goal, you're going to gravitate to that and you'll be in the break-even blues forever. How about focusing on maximizing profits? What's wrong with that? People aren't trained to do that, generally speaking. So let me get into an analogy here that I think is very appropriate for trading and then tell you how exactly in trading it can make a difference between you making money or not making money. I often like the analogy of blackjack in trading. Now, what's the difference between gambling and trading? Well, there's a big difference. I don't really care if you want to call trading gambling because a professional gambler can make money. And I don't care if you want to say gambling is not trading and trading is not gambling. It's easily justified because gambling, you don't have an edge, generally speaking. If you gain an edge, you can make money. But if you go to the blackjack table and you just follow the rules out of the book on how to play blackjack, you're going to win 48% of the time the house will win 52%. There is no concept of you making money over the long term. Your only concept of making money is to get a little hot streak and get up and walk away. In trading, it's not gambling because we have that edge. By understanding a chart, you gain distinct advantages in knowing the odds of where something is likely to go. But here's the analogy I want to give you. If you said, I'm going to go play blackjack, is that gambling? It'd say, yeah, it is. Of course it is. But what if you turned it around? 
What if you were able to rent a table or to own your own casino and you're the owner of the table, you're the house? Now, is it gambling to play blackjack? And the answer is no, you have a distinct set of odds. The cards, the game are set up in a way that you will win 52% of the time. Now think about that in blackjack, 52 to 48. That is not big odds. You maybe see where I'm going with this. Traders seem to think that when you come to trading that you have all, you know, 90% winners. And when you learn what you're doing, you win all the time. That's not what it is. It's managing winners and managing losers. So go back to blackjack for a minute. Let's say you have your own table and you have those 52% odds. However, those 52% odds assume that you are doing everything perfectly. What if you didn't screen your dealers properly? So you bring in a dealer to run your table when you're not there and he is cheating and he brings in friends and they're cheating however they do it, I don't know. You don't keep up your security and the cameras aren't working right and nobody's monitoring the cameras so you can't see when there's cheating going on. You can see there's a whole list of things that a casino has to do to maintain their profitability because it's slim. 52, 48 is not a lot. You start giving some of that up through poor management and you're done. Well, that's the analogy to trading. You do not have a lot of room to be wrong. And most traders come in with not even close to the 48% odds you'd see in blackjack. They come in with virtually nil odds and they get an education that maybe gets them up to 30, 40% chance of winning. So they get some winners, of course, and they feel good. And then they always think, well, I'll improve, but they don't have the knowledge to improve beyond what they first learned. So they go through a long, painful process of slowly losing all the time. You have to know how to break through that. And to tie that all together, here's my final comment of how you bring that back to trading a little bit. I believe I showed you this slide, but I think I pull out a slide. If not, there's a slide in one of the seminars that I teach. And it's what I call to the people when they're listening to it after I ask them a question, I call this the punch in the gut slide because it kind of really slaps them in the face. We're talking about the possible use of a 20 period moving average when looking at a chart, what we use it for. And by the way, there's a very limited purpose and I don't even care if you keep them off your chart, but there's very limited purpose for a moving average. But to the extent we we're looking at it, I showed them a chart where the price had pulled back and it's a nice uptrending chart when you glance at it and it pulled back to the moving average, it touched it and took off. And the question was, well, just based on the moving average, nothing else, how much do you love this uptrend and this setup to go long? And generally speaking, anybody first time through always love it. 10 out of 10, they think it's a perfect example of what I just taught. And that's why they answer because they think, well, we just talked about this and here we hit the moving average. It's just what you want to see. Well, it turns out, of course, that this is not a good chart. And there are a whole list of fine details on that chart that tell you that this bounce off the 20 was going to be the final hurrah. The last high was the final hurrah. And this one day bounce was going to fail. And of course, when I unveil the rest of the chart that you don't see initially, the chart crashes for three, four days very hard, even though it wasn't a strong uptrend. This is so predictable. I often bring charts like this into the trading room as short watches. They're hard to get short, to be honest with you. But a lot of times when I do that, some of the traders in the room will go, oh, Paul, you have that on the wrong list. That's obviously a bullish setup. And I go, no, it's not. That is a bearish setup. That will not make a new high. So my point, of course, is if you don't have that knowledge, and we're talking about you know rather slim odds in trading to start with, and you don't have that knowledge, somebody looks at that chart with the moving average I just discussed, and they say, okay, well, what's the big deal? So there's a chart here, and you understood it wouldn't work. I didn't know that. Who cares? It's a fluke chart. Well, it's not a fluke chart. The point is that that aspect applies to everything you learn in technical analysis. Is that a good moving average? Is that minor support? Is that an uptrend? Is the bigger time frame in sync with what you're trying to do? 
All of these questions require an A-plus understanding of technical analysis. And if you don't have that, well, think of how your odds start dropping. My point, of course, is even a great trader does not start off with great odds. Picture yourself as the house in blackjack. Those are the odds you have, and you have to maintain perfection to make money. If you don't do that, you're going to lose money. Most traders are not equipped to even understand most of what I'm saying, let alone to fix their own problem. So keep that in mind as you begin or continue your career as traders. Hopefully by now you probably subscribed. If not, you probably never will. But next week I'll be back. These come out every Thursday. Until next time, this is Paul for DTS. Good trading, everybody. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.